Good morning. How's everybody? Good, good, good. Did you have any trouble getting in? It was a little congested there. Um, I, I just, I need to pause and just celebrate for a moment. Is that all right? It's the first Sunday in February. And uh, two years ago on the first Sunday in February, Summit Community Church gathered together for their first services together. Isn't that cool? And uh, what's really neat is that it doesn't stop there this morning. Because um, some of you may have gotten concerned and saw me get into a black truck after the first service and get out of here. <clears throat> but I went over to our Gorham campus that's 2.1 miles away just to walk in the back and see a church full of people that are meeting together for the first time at Centerpoint Church at South Gorham this morning. And I listened to their pastor preach for three or four minutes, and he was preaching about how do you walk together life on life discipleship, which fits right alongside the vision of our church. And it's almost like, Ben, God's in control of this whole thing. I mean, it's, it's just a few more examples like that, and I will really be sold that God... <laughs> I mean, I was, I was over there yesterday meeting with Pastor Ben, who pastors Centerpoint. And, um, and I just said, you can't, you, you can't make this stuff up. You just can't make this stuff up. And so, you know, we're celebrating this morning. We're celebrating the things that God has done the last two years here at Summit. Um, the legacy that this church has is just unbelievable, and it's all God. Already after two years, and... and um, and, and it's just really overwhelming to get the opportunity to pastor this place and uh, just driving back and forth over to that other campus and just thinking about what God's going to do in and through that place is just overwhelming as well. And so I just, uh, man, I'm just so happy this morning. I'm celebrating. That's why I preached for about 45 minutes in the first service when I only had about 20. And so not having a service after this, you can only imagine what this service is going to be like. We'll go right to the Super Bowl. Because who cares about the commercials anyway? Anyway, uh, we've already seen the best one. I mean, the Boston Smart Pack or whatever. Anyway, so if you got your Bibles, take them and turn to the book of James, chapter 5. That's where we're going to be this morning. That's where we're going to spend our time. We've been talking about one anothering. And we've been talking about how we have a responsibility to love one another, to encourage one another, to be kind and forgive one another. Uh, and and uh, this week we're talking about how we have a responsibility to pray for one another. And so we've just done that, right? We have just prayed for Miranda and we've supported her, and, and, uh, and, which is exciting. But one of, one of the things that, that I've been thinking about in preparation for this message is how often we in the church maybe say this or think this or hear this when we're talking with someone that's walking through a season of life. How many of you have ever heard the words, hey, just pray about it? Just pray about it. And, and not, in a, not, in a, not in a real um, uh, concerned sort of effort, but it's kind of like the, the thing that we might say to just kind of flippantly give an answer so that we can get out of the conversation. Hey, you know what? I, th- I just think you need to pray about this. And then we're out, you know, and we move on. And, and 
the, 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 I guess the issue that I take with that or maybe the thing that I've been thinking on as, as this call to pray for one another is that, well, how? You, you know, how am I supposed to pray about it? Or what's my responsibility here? Or, or even worse, um, looking you know, towards loneliness in this, and wouldn't you pray about it with me? I was talking with somebody uh, this past week who um, very honestly, uh, not, a, not a, an attender of this church, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't come here or anything like that, but, but you know, we were just talking about church, and he, he said, you know, he said, church is like a rock concert. Okay, this is new for me. Uh, he's like, yeah, you know, it's like a rock concert. You go and you sit and you enjoy the show with, you know, with people around that are kind of into the, into the show as well. And then you, and then you leave and you kind of go about your way and you enjoyed it. And it makes you, it makes you feel good and, and, and so on and so forth. And he said, you know, it's like a ball game. You go and you watch the game and you enjoy it together. And you know, you know, you do this, you do that. And, and, uh, and, and then you leave and you go home and, 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 and he's like, it's, it's like a rock concert. It's like a, you know, it's like a ball game. You go and experience something with a group of people and then you leave and, and that's that. And as I left that conversation, I was heartbroken. Because I thought to myself, man, if church is just a rock concert or a game where we're showing up and trying to enjoy the show and that that's all that this is, man, we're missing it. We're missing it. But how many of us walk into church and we're in the middle of a crowded room and yet we feel all alone? And yet there, there's, this, there's this point of one anothering. There's this point of what we're going to talk about today, praying for one another. Pray for one another, as James 5.16 says. There's this point where, where that ought not to be so. And that's what we've been talking about is we're talking about loving one another and forgiving one another and being kind to one another and encouraging one another is that we ought not to walk into this place and think, all right, we're enjoying the show today. All right, you know, I'm going to see, um, you know, what, you know, what Travis says or what songs they play today or, or, or what, whatever the case may be. There's more to this thing that we call church than Sunday morning. There's more to this thing that we call church than just a Sunday morning service. It's a family. It's a family where we support one another, where if one of us is going on a trip, we care for one another. If one of us is going through something, we, we care for one another. In fact, in fact, let's pause right now. Let me, let me give you an example, okay? I didn't do this in the first service because I didn't know about this, but when I walked back in the building from going and checking over uh, at Centerpoint, I heard that one of our elders, Zan Cadman, a lot of us know Zan, I don't see him in the room right now, but Zan's brother fell last night and cracked his skull. They don't know how serious it is right now. But Zan asked me in the hallway just now, would, would you pray for my brother? I don't even know his brother's name. He's in the hospital. He's about four or five hours away. So I know we've prayed a lot this morning. I know we've done communion. But I don't think there's anything more important that we could do than to pause right now and pray for Zan's family. So would you pray with me? God, we just lift up Zan's brother to you. And we just ask that you'd be with the family as Zan's parents are traveling right now to go and be with their son. I can't imagine the feelings that they're feeling, the questions that they have. And God, we don't know how serious this is right now, so there's a lot of unknowns, but God, we're just praying that You would comfort that family, that You'd be with Zan, 
God, that you'd be with his brother, that you'd touch his body, that you'd give the doctors wisdom as they're um, investigating what's happening right now. God, just that you would cover this situation. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. And so, as we, as we think about this, this, this response that we get oftentimes, just pray about it. I think the question that we have to answer first is, what is prayer really? And as I, as I was reading an article this past week, I saw these three things about what is prayer. How I talk to God. How I get stuff from God. That's an interesting one. How I get stuff from God. How I get help from God. And while all those are true, what if prayer was more than something that I just get or, or how I ask for things? Right? See, I believe God intends prayer to be this two-way communication. In fact, it's even deeper than communication. My favorite definition for prayer is this, a constant communion with God. Because that communion implies that it's deeper than just talking. It's deeper than just giving God my list. It's deeper than just a one-way communication channel. It's two-way. Right? Because as we pray, we're asking God right, to speak to us. And so when we pray, what we're really doing is sharing together. Right? But here's the truth. We don't just commune with anybody. We're talking about praying for one another this morning. We don't just commune with anybody. That's not, that's not what we're talking about this morning. There are things that we pray about that we would never talk about with anyone else. Praying is something that we can do anytime or any place because God is everywhere all the time. That's one of my that's one of one of the attributes of God that just amazes me. The fact that we, as let's use pastors' numbers, a thousand people in this room. Right? That all of us can sit here and we can pray to God and he hears every prayer. Isn't that awesome? It's amazing to me that God can be personal with each and every one of us as we talk to Him, as we commune with Him. And He asks for this. And in fact, He goes a step further and He sent Jesus to give us access to Him so that this could happen. Because without Jesus, we don't have fellowship with the Father. And so He sent Jesus to make this happen. So James chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 13 through 18. And I promise I'm going to be mindful of time and all of that. But James, James uh, is the half-brother of Jesus. A lot of, a lot of times James is, is called the, the bold brother of Jesus. And I love the book of James because of how bold he is and how he hits some things pretty square in the face. And he says, is anyone among you suffering? James chapter 5, verse 13, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, verse 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. There it is. That you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. James says, if they're suffering, pray. 
If there's cheerfulness, if, 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 the, if, if anyone's cheerful, let them sing praises, which is another form of prayer. It's another form of worship. If anyone's sick, let's get some other people involved and let's pray over this person, right? And, and in this passage, we see that there's prayer in four areas. And the first area is this, in life experiences. James says there is prayer in life experiences. There's prayer in life's experiences. How many of us know this, that that's true? And we, as we walk through a life experience, whether it's a good experience, whether it's a bad experience, right? There's prayer. And a lot of times we don't think about that because some of us don't pray until the temperature gets turned up hot enough in our life. But James says, is there trouble? Physical, emotional stress. During this, we're to keep on praying, not stop after a quick prayer, but live in an attitude of prayer. And I love that. Living in an attitude of prayer. Paul says pray without ceasing. That, that's living in an attitude of prayer. If anyone's happy, cheerful, it leads us to sing songs of praise to God as the author of blessings, right? And so whatever the case may be, whatever the case may be, if anyone's, if anyone's happy, if anyone's cheerful, if anyone's suffering, if anyone's sick, whatever the case may be, there is prayer in life experiences. And then number two, he says there's prayer in sickness. There's prayer and sickness. Now we've got to talk about this one for a little bit. Look at verses 14 and 15. If, if anyone among you, is anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Sickness includes all types of bodily weakness, physical, mental, or spiritual. Here the reference is primarily to physical sickness, but the sick person, now get this, the sick person should take the initiative to call the elders of the church to pray for them. James literally says it there. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Listen, I can't tell you how many times people have been disappointed in me. Been let down by me. And I didn't even know it. Because they were sick. They were hurting. They were struggling with something. And they said, Pastor, you weren't there. I, said, I, have no, I had no idea. I had no idea. I had no idea about the need. If, if I'd have known, I would have, I would have been there. Well, I, I thought this person would have told you. Yeah, well, be disappointed in them. <laughs> Forward this email to them. And look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I'm not guilty in every sense. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to get out and say, oh, well, poor pastor. No, 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 that's not the point. You're the one sick. I would have loved to have been there. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. We cannot, let me say that again, we cannot allow pride or the assuming that pastor or somebody or church leader is going to hear, keep us from seeking out the prayer and support of the community in times of need because that's why we're there. Right? That's what separates this thing from a rock concert or a game as my friend was talking about church, right? That's what separates, right? Is that open communication, that open communion that we are walking with each other. I've, I've said this often. I've said this often that 
that I, I believe, and I believe, I believe this, that's why I've said it often, um, I, I believe that so many of our disappointments and letdowns come from either a miscommunication or a lack of communication. And James addresses this. So I love it. When I was reading it this past week, I was like, yes, James, thank you. If anyone is among you is sick, let him ask. Well, I don't want to be a burden. Let him ask. That's James speaking. Let him ask. And he says there, the elders of the church. I'm so thankful that we have a committed group of leaders within our church. I'm looking around, Jan, Jeff, you know, Jim, um, uh, Ian, Zan is, is, is one of those. Um, but, but we, and, and I'm leaving some people out. I know I am, Stacy and, and, and others. But the elders are church leaders who have the task of pastoring and providing spiritual leadership. Listen to me, church. I am a first among equals. I am not the be all end all. Our elder team is, is, is right there with me. And, and sometimes you would rather see them than me. Maybe most of the time. Maybe all the time. Okay? But that's why the elders were tasked with leadership in the church was to do these things. Listen, I can't tell you how... Um, um, I, I can't tell you how thrilled I think our leaders would be to come and have that conversation compared to some of the other conversations we're having right now. About building and what are we going to do and this and that. And people are parking on the street and so you can't preach that long in the first service because we need parking spaces and you know, you're just creating a real big problem here. Take that up with the Holy Spirit, elders. Anyway, um, but no, I think it's important because James says the elders are church leaders who have the task of pastoring and providing spiritual leadership. That's why they're there. Call us. And whenever God, and I get this because we've got to deal with this too, whenever God doesn't provide instant healing, the prayer is still useful because it provides encouragement and help for the person who is sick. We're going to talk about praying according to the will of God in just a second, but, but a lot of us stop praying or get discouraged in our prayer life when we don't get the answer right away that we've wanted or that we've asked for. And that's not the point. That's not the point. The prayer is still useful because it provides encouragement and help for the person who's sick. Let me illustrate this for just a second. I had knee surgery back in November, right? And many of you came up to me and said, oh, you know, we're praying for you. Let me let you in on something, okay? And, and this is a little hard for me to confess to you, okay? I don't think the prayers helped me recover any faster, but man, they were super encouraging. What do I mean by that? I had to walk through a process of healing. Me and my physical terrorist, I mean terrorist, therapist, okay, therapist. Some of you that know, you're like, no, you had it right the first time. Okay, no, 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 hear me, hear me, hear me. But me and, me and my physical therapist, right, we had to walk through a process of healing and re-strengthening my knee. And, and while God could provide comfort in that process, and, and He probably did that, I believe He probably did that through, the, through your prayers, He couldn't speed up, there, there, there was no way to speed up the recovery of that necessarily, right? It was all in how I 
I worked and I had responsibility in that to get back to full health. But every time one of you said, hey, Gimpy, I'm praying for you, I'm, in, I'm, I'm praying for you, it, it was super encouraging. So what do I mean by that? It, I mean this, you may not get the answer to prayer that you want right away, but you keep on praying. You keep on praying because you stay faithful in your prayer life. We'll talk about that again when we talk about praying according to God's will. And you also stay faithful because of the encouragement that you're providing in the one another relationship. It's big. It's big. So we pray in life experiences. We pray in sickness. And number three, we got to go here. We pray in confession of sin. He says there in verse 16, yeah, therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Thursday night we were in base camp and we talked about prayer and the two examples that we gave in how to pray, both of them had an element of confession of sin because that's included in our prayer life. We've got, we've got to become aware right, of our sin and confess that to God in our prayer life. Confess our sins one to another and pray for each other. Listen to me. You can't carry that burden of your sin alone. You're not meant to. You're not meant to. You're not meant to. Some of you have been battling something for years and years and you're like, why can't I get past this? Chances are you're doing it alone. James 5, 16, confess your sins one to another. There's two observations I have in this verse. Number one, the whole church is involved here. Notice in sickness, hey, call the elders. Have them come over, pray over you in sickness, right? But here, when we're talking about confession of sin, he says, therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The whole church is involved here, not limited to the leaders. And the second observation the second observation is that the power to heal appears in the act of praying. The power of, he the power of healing appears in the act of praying. I want you to see that. The, in verse 16, the second part, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Has great power as it is working. The, this confession, one to another, seeks to secure faithful prayer support from trusted friends in the church. Right? I mean, how would it feel if I said, okay, we're going to pause right here and we're going to practice this just like we, we illustrate every point. We're going to practice this right now. We're going to have a time of confession. Who wants to go first? Exactly. Right? It's not meant for that. It's, it's not meant for that. But what it is meant for is to, is to get close one to another. Right? To get close one to another. It's not meant to confess to the whole church. That wouldn't be, that, that's not what's being meant here. That wouldn't be helpful all of the time necessarily. And, and, and so what he's talking about here is getting close one to another enough to walk through the sin in your life. And you know, every time I've done this, when I've gotten vulnerable with a friend, dear friend, over a cup of coffee or over a lunch or something like that, and said, hey man, I'm struggling with this. I'm broken in this area. You know what's amazing? Is that what I hear across the table is, yeah, I'm broken too. And I'm hurting in this area. 
And if I'm honest with you, and if I'm honest with myself, and I'm honest with God, I could use some prayer here. Because here, here's the newsflash. All of us are broken. All of us have sin. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not one of us is exempt from that. Every one of us is battling a battle against sin. And what James says is, listen, don't carry that alone. Confess your sins one to another and pray. 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 He doesn't say, hey, confess your sins one to another that your friend might be able to fix you. That's not their job. That's not their role. That's not your job. That's not your role. Confess your sins one to another and pray. Pray. There's prayer in life experiences. There's prayer in sickness. There's prayer in confessing sin. And then lastly, there's prayer in working out God's will. If you look at verse 17 and 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. You know why he says that? Elijah was a man with a nature like ours? Because he wanted us to know that in 1 Kings chapter 18 where this story took place, and I wish I had time to turn there so that we could get the full context of Elijah, but, but you can do that on your own time. But, but, but what James is saying is that when this story happened, Elijah wasn't this super Christian. Elijah wasn't this super Bible character, right? That, 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 that had all these extra you know, powers or anything like that. He said Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And what James was getting at is the same God that moved in Elijah's situation with the rain is the same God that can move in your situation today. That's why he says that. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three years, six months, it didn't rain. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Effective prayer must have energy and persistence. Effective prayer must have energy and persistence. Listen, I believe with all of my heart that our prayers to God ought to be passionate. Some of the most passionate communication and communion that we have in our lives. Way more passionate than the communication that we have with referees or bosses or sports teams on our television or, or video games or this or that. or You insert Police officers that pull us over. We may have some police officers in here. And I'm sorry for any communication that any, any of our summoners have given you that may not have been encouraging or uplifting. But our communion with God, right, is, is to be with, with, with energy or persistence. The Scripture says David, right? David cried out to God seven times a day. Seven times a day that David would cry out to God. That doesn't sound like a casual prayer life to me, church. Seven times a day David would cry out to God. Effective prayer comes from the heart of a believer whose passion, whose passion, now get this, is to see the will of God worked out in the life. 
Not to get what they want, but to see God's will worked out. So when we pray and when we talk to God in this way, things happen. And the same is true when we pray for each other in this way, things happen. Let me tell you this. The average person, the average person will speak 860 million words in a lifetime. Now, looking around, some of you are going to say a few more million words than some of us. Some of you are going to say a few less million words than some of us. But on average, 860 million words in a lifetime. We have a lot to say. When I read that in an article this past week, when I read that, I think, wow, the opportunity. The opportunity. Because Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. What a statement. Right? From the book of Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue of the tongue. We will communicate so much in a lifetime. What does it look like if our go-to communication to one another is prayer? It's prayer. Every Monday, every Monday, I send a text message to about five or six guys in my life and say, hey, praying for you this week. How can I pray for you this week? Praying for you. Praying for you. Praying for you. It can be that easy. It can be that easy. It doesn't have to be the. It doesn't have to be the thing where where you catch them or whatever, and it has to be this whole thing. Hey, we're gonna get together. We're gonna pray. You know, it doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be that. But what would it look like if we spent more of our words, more of our communication, praying for one another, praying for one another? The worship team is gonna come. I want you to see. Something in Luke chapter 11. Jesus is speaking about prayer. In fact, He's just, he's just taught the Lord's Prayer to them again. Or it's another recording, excuse me, of the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11. And Jesus is speaking and He says, And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What, what father among you, get this, what father among you, if, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You know what Jesus is getting at here? The answer isn't for me to give you what you're asking for or what you want. The answer for me is to give you the comforter, the Holy Spirit in whatever situation you're at. I love that. And as I was reading that this morning, I thought the answer isn't... Jesus doesn't say, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father give you what you ask for? How How much more will your Father bail you out? How much more will your Father give you what you want? He doesn't say that because how many of his parents know that, that that's not the answer? That's not always the good thing. 
But how much more your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who come to Him in prayer. That's praying according to the will of the Father. God, I don't know how to pray. That's okay. The Holy Spirit intercedes with us. It intercedes for us with groanings deeper than words when we don't have the words to say. Some of the most powerful times of prayer I've had with people have been when we'll go up to each other, I don't know what I need to pray for. And Rob would just say, let me just pray for you. Some of you are sitting here this morning and say, you know what? I need prayer. But I don't know how to ask. 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 Oh, Travis, you you don't know. Ask. Ask. But what if they... Ask. One of the biggest things that I think keeps us from doing this well as the body of Christ, praying for one another, is pride. Don't let pride keep you from praying with one another. Don't let the fear of what are they going to think of me if I open up and confess or share my prayer need with them. It doesn't matter. Ask. Ask. So this morning, there's something you need to pray about. I think, I hope, if not, I'm sure there will be some people at the doors that would love to pray for you. Would love to pray with you. We've got some elders that are scattered around the room. Jan's right here. Jim and Karen are over here. They'd love to pray for you. Ian's in the back. Lois is back there. She's not one of our elders. She's one of our deacons, but she'd love to pray with you. I'll be up here. If there's something, and you're just walking, you're holding on to it, and maybe, maybe you don't even share it in this moment, but you just know that before you leave this place today, you just need to ask for somebody to pray with you. Don't leave this place without doing it. Don't. Don't. I was 10 years old. I was 10 years old and I was sitting in a big room full of people at a conference. A guy was speaking and he gave an invitation at the end and for people to come and give their lives to Jesus. Well, I'd invited my neighbor to go. And I was too worried about what my neighbor would think of me. 
if I went down and gave my life to Jesus in that moment? I didn't go. Gives you a lot of confidence in your pastor, doesn't it? Hang on. We got in the car, we started driving home, and my mom looked at me, she could tell something was up, and she said, Travis, what's up? Well, now it was just me and my friend and my mom in the car. And I said, Mom, I should have gone down and given my life to Jesus tonight. And that night, when we got home, I sat on the edge of my bed with my mom and prayed to receive Jesus into my life. But so many times I wonder, man, Travis, why didn't you just go? Not that there were, I mean, it was still accomplished, right? But why did I chicken out or not go? Don't do that today. If you're sitting in this room, if you're sitting in this room, you say, man, I just need somebody to pray with me. Grab the person next to you. Pray. Come down. Pray. Whatever the case may be. Can I pray for you? God, I just pray this morning that we would have the boldness to walk in this. God, that You would give us a passion for one another. God, that that we would be known as a house of prayer. Not because of our prayer meetings, not because of a prayer chain, or not because of this or that, or the prayer cards that we take up um, every Sunday. Not that, not that those are, not to, not, to, not to weaken the value of those or lessen the value of those in any way, but God, may we be known as a house of prayer by how we build each other up in prayer daily as the family of Summit. Give us a passion for that in Jesus' name.